0: Hello everyone, and welcome back to Come Follow Me Today, a brief message to help us experience an additional spiritual moment in our otherwise busy lives. My name is Caleb Sanford, and thank you for joining me as we accept Christ's invitation to follow him today. So we've spent the last couple episodes in the book of Jacob, which is the third book of the Book of Mormon. In the first few chapters, we listened to Jacob's speech to his people, calling them to repentance for their greed, pride, and sexual immorality. As we discussed in the last episodes, Jacob really lays into his people because of their transgressions, explaining that the Lord led Lehi's family away from Jerusalem to avoid the destruction there, and now the people have brought the same types of sins to the new world, and the Lord is not happy. But there's a particular verse in this lecture of Jacob's that I've been hung up on. After chastising the people for their immorality, Jacob says, quote, "...and now behold my brethren." Ye know that these commandments were given to our father Lehi. Wherefore, ye have known them before, and ye have come unto great condemnation, for ye have done these things which ye ought not to have done. Jacob is basically telling the people, you knew better. We've been preaching this ever since we left Jerusalem. So why have the people been misbehaving then? Well, there may be a lot of reasons why the people of Nephi have gone against the will of God. But let me suggest one that might be relatable to us today. We're going to have to walk through a math exercise, though, so bear with me. So when Lehi set out from Jerusalem, he had four sons, Laman, Lemuel, Sam, and Nephi. During their journey through the wilderness, they picked up Zoram from Jerusalem, as well as Ishmael and his children, which allowed presumably everyone to find a match and get married. So let's say there were three sons of Ishmael originally, plus Zoram, Lehi, and four of Lehi's boys. That's eight adult men on the journey, not counting Lehi. For the sake of argument, let's say they are all on average about 20 years old. They arrive at the promised land about 12 years after they leave. And then Lehi gives his final speech to his children and grandchildren, perhaps a few years later, and dies. Let's say 15 years since they left Jerusalem. So now Nephi's generation is about 35 years old, and let's assume they all had five children each, so let's call it 40 youth in the next generation, on average 10 to 15 years old, that knew Lehi and experienced at least part of the journey from Jerusalem, but were still pretty young. This includes Jacob and Joseph, who were Lehi's late offspring. But after Lehi dies, Nephi is forced to escape with his crew from Laman and Lemuel and their crew. So now in Nephi's party, there are only three from his generation, him, Sam, and Zoram, and their 15 kids, plus Jacob and Joseph. I may have some of my details a little mixed up there, but I think that's about right. So now let's fast forward to the present, when Jacob is giving his speech. Nephi died about 55 years after leaving Jerusalem, so let's call him 75, and let's assume that the other founders, Sam and Zoram, are also dead. Jacob becomes the new spiritual leader for the people, and maybe over the course of the next five years after Nephi died, the people begin to slip into iniquity. So now the grandchildren of Lehi, including Jacob, who was Lehi's son, but the same age as his other grandchildren, who are young during the journey through the wilderness, are around 60 years old, and likely have many children and grandchildren of their own. And so it's these last generations that are the people that have become prideful, full of greed, and promiscuous. These generations never knew Lehi. They didn't experience the miracles and the trials of the journey through the wilderness and across the ocean. All they've had is a bunch of old people like Nephi and Jacob lecturing to them their whole lives. Even their parents probably don't remember the journey very well, let alone the teachings of Lehi. Jacob continues his scolding of them a few chapters later. Quote, Behold, will ye reject these words? Will ye reject the words of the prophets? And will ye reject all the words which have been spoken concerning Christ, after so many have spoken concerning him, and deny the good word of Christ? End quote. Jacob is now chastising them for not following the commandments of the Lord and rejecting the words of the prophets. But maybe these later generations just never really developed a firm testimony of God. Maybe they don't believe at all. Maybe they see the words of the prophets and Christ as just that, words. Maybe those words just never penetrated their hearts. I think this is a challenge that we face today as well. Maybe you know someone who is a devout disciple of Christ, a strong member of the church that is always serving those around them, and then for whatever reason, one of their kids has fallen away. Why? I think about this with my own children, who are still very young. I've had a lot of faith-building experiences over the last 12 years since I was baptized that I hope will provide a firm foundation for my faith to build on for the rest of my life. But my kids didn't have those experiences— To them, they're growing up in the faith in the church. My stories will just be things that I tell them throughout the years. So how do we help our youth to really hear the words of Christ, of the prophets, of us as parents? In the context of what's happening around the world right now with the coronavirus, these questions become even more important. Our children and youth are stuck at home all day, out of school, away from church, it's even possible that the new For the Strength of Youth conferences, trek, Young Men's and Young Women's Camps, these might also be canceled if the virus doesn't die down. Some seniors in high school will be finishing high school at home and trying to make the decision during this time of isolation whether to serve a mission. Is it a coincidence that exactly a year before the virus began to take hold in China, President Nelson and other church leaders began changing our concept of gospel learning to be home-centered, church-supported, to put the focus on us as parents to help our children develop faith in Christ instead of relying on the church to do this. Now that many of us are confined to home, having the mindset of home-centered gospel learning is critical. So as I read Jacob's sermon in the context of the audience that he is speaking to, it almost feels as if the words may be coming too late. If we as parents haven't enabled our children to be firm in their faith by helping them experience many spiritual moments during their childhood, how can we expect one lesson from an old timer like Jacob to change their hearts and behavior? Perhaps you might be a third or fourth generation disciple of Christ yourself and struggle to understand your own faith in Christ. Well, I certainly don't claim to have all the parenting answers of how to properly raise a young person to be a strong disciple of Christ into the future. But as we struggle with our own journey to accept our Savior's invitation to follow him today, let's make sure to remember that we also need to help our children to experience God's love today and each day so that 50 years from now, Jacob won't be having this same conversation with them. Thank you for listening today.